hello, hello. Welcome to episode 108 of All In With Kevin. I am your host, Kevin Lewis. In today's episode, I am going to speak about the New York Yankees' unfortunate, at least for me, demise at the, hand of the Houston, at the hands of the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series. And I'm going to speak about the Jets' costly, uh, question mark, win over the Denver Broncos in Mile High Stadium on Sunday. So I'll start with the Yankees. Um, I tend to be more level-headed than your typical Yankee fan, and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back or kiss my own ass. That's just what it is. Think about the Yankee fans you know, and this is somebody who who followed me on Twitter or knows me personally, you're listening to this. Think about your typical Yankee fan and then t- think about me. I am 100% more level-headed than your typical Yankee fan. Didn't say I was smarter, didn't say I was more correct, didn't say anything other than I am more level-headed and more patient, right? So the losing in the playoffs just doesn't hit for me like that, like it does for other people. Because one, the Yankees have won five titles in my lifetime. Two, the 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 last one was important for me because I got to attend a parade. And I always wanted to attend. Like I, I saw the, the the people on TV because when they were winning, when I was younger, I, I was younger. I wasn't I wasn't one of the kids who was allowed to skip school to go to, to go to some fucking ticker tape parade. So when they won in '09, it, it was important for me from that perspective. So I got to see a parade. I'm never gonna care as much now as I did in 2009 when they were going on their playoff run. Simple and plain. I'm not gonna say it's some 10 out of 10 to like 2 out of 10 difference, I still care. I still care a lot. I still care too much. But I'm never going to care as much. And two, I am... I realize what baseball is and what the baseball playoffs is. It is an exercise in randomness. In a sport that builds itself off of failure and and random events and and a random series of events. That's what baseball is. So, losing a five-game series, losing a seven-game series, that just, it doesn't move the needle for me. In a vacuum, it does not move the needle for me the way it does for other people. Now, I am more the process kind of fan, more than the results. I look at the process of things. What are the GM, what is the GM doing? Like, what, what are we doing on the back end, like, analytically, as far as the analytics department goes? As far as the coaching staff goes, like what what are we doing organizationally from a philosophical standpoint? What are we doing? Or but they, for those who are bothered by me, that's the kind of stuff that I look at more than results. Because you you can have the best laid plans, and you have a bad week, and it's over. The Dodgers won 111 games. Nobody can say anything about how they built their roster because it's it's a it's an amazing roster from top to bottom. They they are run well. Their minor league system is flush with talent. The organizational depth is on point, and they had a bad week and they went home because that's how baseball is, man. You could be hot shit for six months. You have a bad week, you go home. That's how it works. So results don't move me in that kind of way. The process. That stuff is the shit that bothers me. We could talk about in-game stuff, but even that is kind of like, I understand that we second-guess managers to death. 
personally, I try to be fair. I try to first guess managers. Because sometimes the shit that they do, especially Aaron Boone, I can't speak for other managers, the shit that Aaron Boone does, you could you could first guess on site and be like, what the hell is he doing? Because what he did today and then what he did two days before might not match up with each other. What he did today from a matchup perspective might not match up. So on and so forth. I'll get into that in a little bit. But you can question shit like that, or I can question shit like that. That's the shit that I'm focused on. And I've been beating a dead horse all year about the IKF trade, and I will continue to do so. And let me make this clear for those who who seem to think that I am belaboring the point too much. Nobody is saying that one man is why the Yankees lost. Nobody is saying that one move is why the Yankees lost. The Yankees were just not the better team. Simple and plain. The, the, the Astros have been the better team. They are run better. got better players. They got better the better analy- the analytics department. They got a better system. On down the line, the Astros are just fucking better. They are the class of the AL and arguably the class of Major League Baseball. You're not going to get no arguments from me on that. Now, the problem with IKF is many factors. Obviously, he plays an important position. Shortstop is an important spot. You need something from your shortstop. Whether he hits... He fields at a high level, one of them, especially when you have a $250 million payroll or whatever the Yankees payroll is. Like, you you can't... It, the IKF thing is just emblematic of a bigger of two bigger issues. One, how you allocate your funds, because you took on $50 million worth of Josh Donaldson to get IKF. And the idea of Donaldson in a vacuum was not bad. I know it ended up poorly, I get it. He has a long track record of being a really good hitter in baseball and a really good defender. And he was he was a really fucking good defender in for uh, for the Yankees this year. That part, if they just said we're gonna go get Josh Donaldson, that wouldn't have been egregious. But you were engaged with Texas to try and get IKF. I don't know what Texas, given that Texas spent a gazillion dollars on two shortstops, I don't know what Texas could have been asking for that was so egregious that the Yankees couldn't just give them what they wanted. But okay, fine. They He moves on to Minnesota. You're now willing to take on $50 million of Donaldson, which, again, the thrifty, frugal, we want to spend money the right way Yankees doing that is different than them doing that 15 years ago. You want to take on $50 million of a 35-year-old third baseman. Father time comes for everybody. So you can get what was a bad shortstop, who the team who drafted him spent $500 million or whatever it was to, on two different free agent shortstops. They, they were that tired of the one that they had. What is the process? Like, they, they didn't want to spend money on a shortstop. That wasn't enough for them. It is emblematic of the fact that they winning is just not the fucking priority. It's not. Because there's no way, regardless of what any of us feel about IKF, I feel he fucking sucks. He's the dregs of baseball. And he, sh- and he, and, and he, should, be, he should be in the fucking KBO. That's how I feel about IKF. Regardless of how you feel, there's no way you can sit here and tell me that that was the best option they could have put out at short. It wasn't the second best option they could have put out a short. It wasn't the third best option they could have put out a short starting the year. And again, that is that is part of a bigger issue. They're not trying to win. Now, 
let's face it, most professional sports teams are running that kind of way. Let's just call it a spade a spade. I understand. I'm talking about my favorite baseball team, so I'm going to keep it with them. And the thing is, it's just not that hard to when you have that big a payroll, regardless of what the budget may or may not be or how Brian Cashman is quote-unquote hamstrung, it's not that hard to actually prioritize winning. Because the it's another example of first guess versus second guess. Like, the people who are, like, second-guessing the Montas move, they're just bitching just a bitch. Nobody cared about that move at the time. Like, and people people all across all across Yankee Twitter, Yankee fans you might run into at a bar, Yankee fans in general, most of them will tell you they, they didn't care to give up the kind of package that the Mariners got for Luis Castillo. They'll tell you that. And most of them will tell you that they were fine with, with the Montas trade at the time that it happened. Montas was bad for the Yankees. Not arguing that. Is he dead? No. Is he going to come back next year? Most likely. We'll see what the fuck he does. He he is on the last year of his deal. He has a reason to go out there and pitch well. A big reason. The money. But if you're bitching about that, you're just bitching us a bitch. Most people bitched about the IKF trade the minute it happened. Because, and, and also, Brian Cashman apparently had an infatuation with the guy for a while and was trying to get him for a while. And it's one thing if you're telling me that you're trying to get him to be a super utility player. I don't like it because personally, I like I like my bench players to do something at a high level besides run. He don't feel particularly well and he can't fucking hit. So what is the point? Oh, he plays multiple positions poorly? So what? So it makes you question, like, if you're that pressed over IKF, and maybe it's not just Cashman. Maybe the scouting department's behind this, too, to be fair to him. And it, I don't think anything is just a one-man move in pro baseball, or in pro sports, period. I don't think anything is just a one-man move. So maybe it ain't just him. But he the GM, he got to take the bullets. So I'm talking about him. If he's that pressed about IKF, what does that say about his player evaluation skills and the decision-making? Genuinely, genuinely asking, am I calling for Brian Cashman to be fired? No. If they don't fire him, fine. If they fire him, fine. That's where I'm at. The IKF shit, the IKF Donaldson left side of the infield this year completely soured me on Cashman because there was no need for either player to be here. No. And if you wanted to trade for Cat, um, Donaldson in a vacuum, fine. But there's, there, was no, there was no way they were doing that in a vacuum anyway. So there's that. But that's the, that's the issue. Like all the other stuff, like people people keep saying, like, all right, the Yankees keep doing the same thing over and over, and they're not succeeding. It's insane to do the same thing over and over. I don't. I think that's a wildly disingenuous claim. The 2017 Yankees who lost to the Astros were a completely different team than the 2019 Yankees who lost to the Astros. Fine. the 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 19 the the 19 Yankees you can say they were built around power. Blah, blah, they didn't make enough contact. All those tired fucking storylines. Okay, cool. They were built a certain way. Their defense wasn't particularly good. Yada, yada, yada. Right? Their pitching wasn't particularly good. Okay, the 2022 Yankees pitching was very good. One of the best pitching staffs in the league. Their bullpen, even though half of it was dead by end, was good. Right? They they went all in on defense. Even though it makes it even weirder that they that they thought IKF was a good defensive shortstop when he wasn't good in Texas and they paid fucking five hundred million dollars to free the shortstops to to replace the guy that they wanted to get rid of. You're out of here. Hike.
they they went all in on defense. They got a whole bunch of defensive players. They improved on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they eventually finally played Oswald Peraz in the playoffs. They played Oswaldo Cabrera at shortstop, just, you know, despite IKF's existence. Donaldson improved their defense. Trevino improved their defense. Um, like Bader is another move that improved their defense, even though he had an incredible postseason. Good for him. Um, saying that the Yankees approach this the same way is just disingenuous. You could say they approach it the wrong way. That's fine. I wouldn't even disagree with you because they didn't put they didn't put their the best product that they could put on the field. And I'm not even one of them dudes asking for them to sign a million free agents, bro. If they would have just signed Carlos Correa, we're not having this conversation. Like this podcast would have been way fucking shorter if they just signed Carlos Correa and they lost anyway. It's all right. Whatever, roll the ball out there next year, see what happens. That's what it would have been. But they did not do the same shit that they've been doing. That's just not fair. It's just not actually what happened. And on top of that, like everybody begging for contact hitters, contact hitters, even though even though the elevate and celebrate is what wins in the playoffs for the most part. I'm not saying that you don't eventually need the occasional two out RBI single. I'm not saying that you could live on 100% home runs. All I'm saying is if you can't hit home runs, you can't win. That's what that's ultimately what I'm saying. You can win without other shit. You can win with less of other shit. If you cannot hit home runs, you will not win. You cannot win. Simple and fucking plain. But they got, I mean, LeMayu is here. He's hurt. He's old. Maybe that's problematic. Fine. They got Benintendi as well. I think IKF stinks. A lot of people were begging for contact hitters with speed. Like, oh, do something different. Ryan Rucco tweeted at the beginning of the season, IKF was the exact kind of hitter the Yankees needed. whole bunch of people in the mentions de- agreeing with him. So you can't then say that they did the same shit that they've been doing. That just isn't fucking true. Simple and plain. It's not. We, again, you can say they're wrong. Fine, be my guest. But that's just re- that's revising history based on shit that didn't happen. It is. But ultimately, man, look, the Astros are the class of the AL. They're the class of Major League Baseball. The Yankees got a ways to go to catch up to them organizationally and on the field. We will see what they do in the offseason. I don't, I don't expect much. I don't know how you could. I think Aaron Judge resigns, and I think they do. They make some ancillary moves otherwise. Now, if they sign, if they re-sign Aaron Judge and they credibly fix third base, shortstop, and left, I don't care how they do it. Just credibly do it. Like put guys out there that that you know are good or can be good, whichever. If they do that, I'm not gonna sit here and bitch about they didn't get Nolan Arenado or whatever big ticket free agent you want to bring up. I don't think the Yankees got to do a whole lot as far as just strictly the on the field product. I'm not talking about the management. I'm not talking about Cashman. I'm not talking about whoever runs the analytics department. I'm not talking about none of that. On the field wise, I don't think they need 50 million improvements. A bullpen, a, 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 an exploratory bullpen arm for like $5 million seems to be cool. And third base, shortstop, left field. At least two of them need to be addressed. But ultimately, man, look, it the, the, the IKF Donaldson shit just, that's the one main thing that just bothers me from this year. Like, if I had my way, they wouldn't have paid Chapman or Britain in the first place. To me, relievers are like running backs. You're not supposed to fucking pay them. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be paid. I'm not trying to shit on, nobody, shit on nobody's value. I'm not trying to dehumanize people. Let me make this clear, right? I'm saying I prefer my favorite team don't do it. I love when other teams do it. Like Edmund Diaz. 
I, I saw somebody mention that the Yankees should go after Jim Bowden in particular. I saw somebody mention that him mention that the Yankees should go after Eddie Diaz. Look, for Chapman and Britain, Britain to finally come off the books, and then you you pour twenty plus million dollars into Eddie Diaz, I would turn into the fucking Joker so fast. Especially when they told me this past season that they wasn't going to spend on those shortstop because fucking Isaiah kind of left was there. The Yankees, if there's one constant with the Yankees for 25 years of my fandom now, is they find relievers from wherever the fuck. Simple and plain, they find relievers from here, from there, from everywhere, bro. They find them everywhere. You do not need to give a fucking reliever a nine-figure contract. I love Edwin Diaz. Like, I was defending him when everybody was bashing him. A couple people who listen to this podcast can attest to that. I love Edwin Diaz. I ain't got no problem with the guy. The Yankees should, the the cost-conscious Yankees should not be the ones paying a fucking reliever a hundred-plus million-dollar contract. Simple point, they should not be. And if they do, for some reason, I don't think they will, but if they do, you will not see me spend one solitary red cent going to no fucking Yankee game this year, period. Simple point. But I mean, season ended. It is what it is. They got swept. I'd prefer they didn't get swept, but they got fucking swept. I don't think the series was as lopsided as people like to make it out to be. Um, the Yankee offense struggled. Yeah. Not arguing that at all. Um, three, out of, three out of four games were competitive. Three out of four games had a, a margin of four runs. I just don't think there's some super wide gap as far as on the field-wise where you just can't see the Yankees ever beating the Astros and all this, the Astros are their daddy stuff. It's like, yeah, they're the class of the AL. I'm not arguing with that, right? But there's a reason that the Astros in this magical run have won one championship and not four. They're beatable. It's baseball. Everybody's beatable. Everybody has a bad week, they can go home. You might have a good week and the other team might have a better week. It's baseball. I don't think the Yankees are that far away. It's 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 dis it's dis it's disheartening. It's bad that they lost. Not arguing. The process is my problem. And then these dickheads are gonna sit there and tell you this, that, and the third about Volpe, this, that, and the third about Oswald, and then they're gonna run IKF for shortstop opening day next year like idiots. And instead of just non-tendering him like a fucking normal baseball team would do, they're gonna do that dumb shit. And they're going to feed you the same thing about process this and crapshoot that. And I don't mind the crapshoot talk because it's fucking true. But I'm not trying to hear about, oh, the organizational process is not there. Where it's going to likely land with, at the bare minimum, IKF still here and starting for his second year. And maybe him and Donaldson here for, the, for, for another year of starting. I'm not trying to hear it. Not. Ultimately, it is what it is. They got to make wholesale improvements. I'm not saying they got to do a ton. But they got to make noticeable fucking improvements. You don't have a left fielder at the moment. You damn sure don't have a shortstop. Unless you're going to man up and play Oswald every day, which I'd be shocked. And you don't have a third baseman. Now, also, Glaber might get moved. And I, I like Glaber. I really do. The idea of moving him just, it gets a shrug. If they move him and they get a good starting pitcher out of him, go ahead, bro. I feel like Glaber is your garden variety, above average middle infielder. Like, you're not getting a ton more out of him than that at this point. But he's fine. Like, he's a nice player. Like, if, if you get to the playoffs, he can carry you through a series. Like, that, that's Glaber towards this point. Also, before I get on to the Sunday of Doom for the Jets, um, 
that that play at second base where Jeremy Pena hit the slow the slow grounder to Gleyber Torres and he flipped the ball to second base and it and it and it uh it escaped IKF's grasp and it ended up near Donson I think it was near Donson right yeah um that being part of the reason they lost is just perfect it's so well earned like you tried to do what you did at shortstop you tried to cut cost at shortstop and it cost you at every turn all year again not saying it's the only issue but it's a massive one and then it reared its head in the in the final game of the season my and what makes it even better and and more deserved is that you you yourselves identified that you couldn't play this man in an, in an elimination game the week before. Two of them, mind you. In game five, and this is what I'm talking about with process. Game four, they benched him. Game five, they benched him. Hicks got hurt. They could have easily brought him in the game. They brought in Marvin Gonzalez. Marvin Gonzalez didn't even make the fucking ALCS roster. And they had, they were comfortable bringing him in instead of IKF in, the, in, in a pivotal game five. And yet, now in game four, uh, game one, Against the Astros, now IKF is back in the lineup. Why? Only God knows. That doesn't make any sense. And then game four, with the season on the line, you're about to be eliminated. He plays again. Why? You just told us last week that he wasn't good enough to play in an elimination game. Twice. What changed? That's what I'm talking about with process. Like, I watched Aaron Boone bring in Clark Schmidt in the fifth inning of game one with a runner on second base in a tie game. A winnable tie game. On the road with Justin Verlander on the mound for the other team, for the Astros. He brings in Clark Schmidt, which in, in a vacuum is fine. I don't care. Like, the Yankees didn't have a ton of a good bullpen options because a lot of them got hurt. So I'm not even sitting here to be mad that you brought in Clark Schmidt in a vacuum. I don't understand why he's the first guy out, and I don't understand why he pitched the ninth inning against Cleveland. Not because he's bad, but it seemed like he became, like, the go-to guy. Outside of the wise guy, I guess. Well, I mean, Peralta pitch every day, too. So I guess. But why was he the go-to guy in that spot when the goal is to keep them at one? But okay, he brought him in. Fine. Game three comes around. It's now 2-0 in the fifth inning. In the fifth or the sixth? The sixth inning, excuse me. 2-0 in the sixth inning. Um, Cole loads the bases. They take him out. A lot of other people had a problem with them taking out Cole. I really do. I don't really care. He loaded the bases in the first place. If you want to take him out, take him out. I would have, I would have preferred Lewis could be on the mound in that spot, considering he is your he is your best non cold pitcher at this point. But well, of the options you can bring in, he's your best non cold pitcher. So I prefer you bring him in. But fine, you don't. So Clark Schmidt, who got the same kind of assignment in Game One, is now on the bench. No, not even on the bench. In the bullpen, sitting down, relaxing while Lou Trevino comes in the game. Why? What changed? What change? And this is not even results based. I asked it while I was at the game sitting there. I was like, but why? Game game one, they brought in Clark. Now it's not Clark. It's this dude. Why? What changed? The Yankees were down 5 nothing in the seventh inning. First and second, nobody out. Jose Trevino took in at bat. Why? You had people on the bench. You had you had Peraz on the bench. You had whoever. Um, I can't remember who the other names were on the bench. But you had Peraz on the bench. You had Higgy on the bench. There's somebody down. Forget it. But Jose Trevino hasn't gotten a hit since, like, August. Why is he still thinking? It's not like you say, well, he takes, he draws the hell out of a walk. He doesn't. So why was, why was he in the game at that point? It's just stuff like that that just 
drives me up a wall. And it consistently happens with Aaron Boone. And then organizationally, as far as the player that they put on the roster, there are plenty of hits and there are plenty of misses just like everybody else. So I'm not here to dunk on Brian Cashman too much, but the IKF Donaldson shit not only was bad from a on-product, um, on-field product-wise, it was bad because it showed what the organization really was about. And it ain't winning. What? <laughs> what an idiot. Oh, what a loser. One more thing before I get to the Jets. This whole motivational tactic that the Yankees apparently used of looking back at the 2004 Red Sox that won four straight against, you know, the Yankees um, in winning the championship. Um, I see people... All right, first, it's a bad look. It can't be disputed that it's a bad look. It's not even so much that they used the tactic, right? Well, for me, anyway. There are a lot of people who get up in arms about them using the tactic. And, and mind you, I'm not try- here to disagree. Um, my perspective is, I just don't understand why you told us. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure there are motivational tactics that are weird all across professional sports. All ac- I mean, all across just people in general. I'm sure there are motivational tactics that some people use that you might look at as weird or whatever, what have you, blah, 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 right? Um, and quite, and to, before I get into what I think about it, oh, I might already did kind of tell you what I think about it, but the, the players, the, the players on the 04 team being mad about that. I understand that more than anything. I understand every, every, the fans, again, I'm not trying to say that they shouldn't be, but the players like, damn, we got to relive this for what? Because, because you had to tell the public the motivational tactic you used for no reason. Like, I'm Bernie Williams. I'm sitting in my house minding my own business, and I got to see these highlights on TV, and I got to see Big Poppy talking his shit because the Yankees decided to FaceTime him as some kind of motivational tactic. Like, look, again, me personally, the, the, the motivational tactic is weird to me, but that's that's not the part that I care about. Why why did you tell us is the part that I care about. And care is pretty much it's putting it a little bit strongly. I don't care that much. It's just embarrassing. Because I, what was to what was to gain out of this? That's the that's the question. Like you could say that the Yankees are losers for that. Sure, I'm not going to argue with you. You could say they were losers for letting us hear it. Sure, I'm not going to argue with you. I I'm not going to argue with saying that um what they did with this is loser organization type of stuff. I'm not here to argue with anybody who. Views that shit as a joke because it is, but okay, you told us this. Let's let, let's revise history and pretend that the Yankees somehow won four straight. And mind you, the funniest thing is the most likely result of the, of this entire ordeal was that they were going to get swept, and that's exactly what happened, right? But okay, that aside, let's let, let's pretend that they pulled off the comeback and they came down for and and they came back from down four three. Who is going to consume what? you told us and be like, wow, thank God for the 04 Red Sox and what they did. Thank God that motivated you guys to go out there and play like you're worth a damn and win four straight. Thank God that David Ortiz got on on the line with Aaron Boone and the team and imparted his wisdom on how to, on how to accomplish said feat. Who's going to do that? What was there to be gained by this? 
It's not what like what was there to be gained by you telling us that this happened? Because once the sweep happened, because well, it it was the most likely outcome. Now all you're doing is giving everybody fodder to laugh at you with. And granted, they shouldn't care about that. I'm not here to say that they should. And in in two days, I won't care about the shit either. It'll be on to the off season. But I just don't like what was to. I can squint hard enough and see what was the benefit to most things. If I think about it for a few minutes, you can see the benefit. I What was the benefit here is what I don't understand. More than the motivational tactic itself, that was weird. I, I think there have been 3-0 comebacks in the NHL. I'm pretty sure there have been. You could have you, you pulled up one of those. Maybe that's not related because it's a different sport. I don't, I don't know what the motivational coach was trying to accomplish. So I'm I'm not here to dunk on him or her. I don't know who it is, but I'm not here to dunk on him or on him or her for what they did. Like what to me, that's just something that if you're going to do that shit, it should be kept in house. Um, unless you go out there and you win the fucking four games, and then nobody cares what you say to us after that. You win the four games, you could say you could say y'all had Red Sox T-shirts under the jerseys, and nobody would give a fuck. You can say whatever if you actually win the fucking four games. That At that point, nobody cares. You're down 3-0 and you're telling us this. Why? Why did you share this with us? Nobody asked for this information. Nobody asked you to tell us this. Like, I don't know what the question was that led to it, but I know it wasn't. Like, I, 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 I remember hearing it. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't, hey, did you guys look at 04 Red Sox film? It wasn't that. Like, what was the benefit? What is the benefit to it? Is what I just don't understand. Yes, it's embarrassing. Yes, you're gonna get jokes off. Yeah, we're gonna hear about that for a while. Between that and the roof talk from game one, you're gonna hear about that. You, you're gonna hear about that stuff for a while. Understood. It, it, it's a joke. Yeah, I understand that. I just don't understand what the benefit was to telling us more than anything else. What was the benefit? And and that's what makes it. Not so much annoying. It, that's what makes me look at them funny. Put it that way. That's what makes me look at Aaron Boone funny. Because you had no benefit to really telling us this, bro. Because guess what? If they, if they had come back, nobody would care. And now that you didn't, now you're just going to get laughed at for that shit. Nobody cares. It's just extra fodder and for what? What what was gained out of this? What was gained? That's not how the game is played. You can't do that. Fuck, believe this shit. Nigga talking about doing it again. Look, I don't want any trouble, okay? Just... Ain't gonna be no trouble over no ball. On to the Jets. Um, the Jets won 16-9 over Denver in one of the most boring football games you've ever watched in your fucking life. So they won 16-9, okay, cool. They they did they didn't turn the ball over, blah blah blah. Brees made a big play before he got injured and he is out for the year. Um like Elijah Moore had his gripes last week. I don't think I, I talked about that on this podcast. Um, I have not. Yeah, let's get into Elijah Moore first before we get into the game. Elijah Moore, I, I don't feel comfortable. I, I know we all have opinions and this is entertainment. And I kind of do feel like we lose the human side of things sometimes. Look in the name of fandom. So Elijah Moore demands a trade, and you got a lot of fans like dunking on him, like talking shit about his demand of a trade because the Jets are on a winning streak and da 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 And it's like, look. Elijah Moore is a five foot nine wide receiver who isn't a burner. Like, he's fast. He's not a burner. Who 
they have basically turned into a one blocker who gets sparse targets from a quarterback who might be bad. He, like other football players, why I don't necessarily feel comfortable saying, oh, well, this football player shouldn't do X, or this football player shouldn't do Y. I mean, Jamal Adams, who I am not a fan of, in, in case somebody needed clarification on that, demanded a trade. And I was sitting there like, I understand why. Why wouldn't he? If, if you want to either win or get paid, you want, he wasn't doing either one of those things here. So why shouldn't he demand a trade? He's the one risking fucking brain damage. Elijah Moore does all these other dudes. They're out there risking brain damage for their family's livelihood and for their own livelihood. And he's in a situation that is just, right now, it's not good for his pockets. Point blank. You can say whatever you want. You can say he should be patient. He's the one catching passes from Zach every day in practice. Michael Lafleur is not going anywhere unless he gets a head coaching job. So if his situation is okay, yeah, I'm on a decent team. We five and two. I'm not getting the ball. This is this is affecting my potential career earnings. And the two dudes who are most responsible for this are not going anywhere anytime soon. When was a good time to demand a trade? People, oh, well, it was not a good. Time. When was a good time, bro? When he made at the time of his demand, it was two weeks until the trade deadline. When was a good time? He was supposed to put 11 more games on film of getting three targets a game while, while, while being pressed to run block a ton and then demand a trade. It wouldn't have been good then either. You would have had the same complaints. Like, we don't need to make this about some intellectual, oh, I really care about the player, like, what, what time the play. You don't care. And there's no time that would have been received any better. Call it what it is. And quite frankly, the four quarters against Denver didn't exactly do anything to shit on his case. But that's neither here nor there, right? All right, so the Elijah Moore stuff, it'll play out how it plays out. As far as the game itself, um, I mean, I'm not here to talk too much. Like, Elijah Veritek, I feel so terrible for him. He was having such a really, he was having such a good campaign. He was doing whatever he was asked, and he was doing at a high level. Like, you could argue he's the best player on the team. That is a humongous loss, and it sucks. Reese Hall, Big time loss, given how the Jets are currently playing offense, where they're playing offense like they're scared of the quarterback. Simple, simple playing. Again, you can lie to yourself if you want to. I'm not here to bitch and moan about the team because they're five and two, and they're playing an entertaining brand of football for the first time in twelve years. I'm not here to bitch about the team, but they are playing offense like they are fucking scared of the quarterback. That cannot be ignored. It is what is happening in front of your face if you open your eyes and look. You know, like it. It is what it is, man. So that 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 both of those two things are humongous bombs in Jets land that that suck. It really bites, right? The thing about the the discourse now with with with, with Jets fans, it seems like they're it's two buckets. It's the Jets fans who can be happy with five and two and then realize that the quarterback is ass at the moment. And then there are there's the group who basically wants us to ignore I shouldn't even say us I'm not really the one harping on it they, they want the other people of the fan base to ignore that he's been bad and or lie about him being good because the team is 5-2 and two. well he gotta be doing something right they're 5-2 and two. bro teams win in spite of bad quarterbacks bro Jimmy Garoppolo has been to a Super Bowl and an NFC title game in the last four years and the, the 49ers have the ball with two minutes left with a chance to win the NFC title game that just happened. And nope. And Jimmy, the best thing you can say about Jimmy possibly is that he's the best bad quarterback in the league. That's the best thing you can say. 
He's functionally bad, if you want to put it that way instead. Right? The thing with Zach is, and why I don't really partake in the discussions about Zach, is like every other young quarterback with every other fan base. You have fans on both sides who are just entirely too fucking passionate about the topic. And thus, they start to characterize your arguments in ways where they're essentially putting words in your mouth. Like, in a group chat that I'm in, I said, before the season started, look, if Zach is one of the top, is one of the bottom three quarterbacks again, we should look into replacing him. Or the Jets should look into fucking replacing the guy. And it got met with all kinds of animus. And it's just, why? Like, why is this a controversial opinion? Somebody tweeted, I tweeted too, that the Jets are winning in spite of Zach. That shouldn't be controversial. And you have people arguing. How? What is there to argue? What is it to argue? Like, Zach has been along for the ride. He's made a couple plays here and there. Okay, cool. He had the fourth quarter in Pittsburgh. That was great. For the most part, he's been along for the fucking ride. What is the need to lie about this? People could be happy about 5-2 and two and also acknowledge that the quarterback is ass and it needs to improve. Because guess what? If the Jets win 11 games and Zach is still playing poorly by the end of it, we, we and I'm talking about the public, are, are going to have even more discussion about them moving on from Zach at the end of the year. Is it too early to talk about moving on from Zach? Yeah, I'll give you that. It's, it's been one full season worth of game from Zach. He's, he just played a 17th game yesterday. Fine. But we don't have to lie and pretend he's been good when he hasn't. Because he hasn't. The body of work stinks. It is what it is. It stinks. And they are calling plays like they're fucking afraid of him. And look, you could say that they're calling plays because his, his, his development has been slow. But it's one of two things. Mike LeFleur is calling plays like this because the development is slow. Or the guy stinks and can't process. It's one of the two things. It really can't be much else other than that. Either his development is slow, or the guy, or, or the guy fucking, or he thinks the guy stinks and can't process shit. And running, calling plays like the way they're calling plays right now, sure, it helps them as far as they're winning because they 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 are making sure Zach does not get in the way of everybody else. Okay, it's just bad for his own development because if. If you're not allowed to do shit, how are you supposed to fucking develop? And they're basically, they, they have put him in handcuffs. Which should be telling, given that they just drafted him number two in the draft just last year. So look, I'm not here to tell anybody how to consume the five and two. If you want to be five and two and you want to bitch about the quarterback, you have all rights to do so. He's been bad. And it's been a year of him being bad now. If if you want to ignore that and just enjoy the winning, I, I tend to fall, ignore is probably strong. I'm just not going to harp on the point when there's so many positives, even though two of them are gone. But there's so many positive, positives to harp on. I'm not going to sit here and be the one to dunk on Zach over and over again. I'm not. I'm not there yet. Holler at me like a month. Maybe we're having a different convo. I'm not here to tell anybody how to consume it, but I, I don't understand what the need is to lie, though. Like, we don't have to lie about Zach. You can say we're too critical. Okay. You can say people are too critical. Fine. You can say whatever you want. Like, oh, the team is winning. F- like, fuck this shit, blah, blah. Okay, cool. But acting like people are crazy for pointing out that, hey, they're 5-2, and two, but the quarterback is the sore spot, and they're winning in spite of him, or they're winning with him, with him out of the way, or wh- however you want to uh, characterize it. 
That shouldn't be controversial because it's what's happening. I am inserting this um, the day after I started recording this because um, the James Robinson trade happened, so I'll talk about this. Um, the Jets traded a six-rounder that could potentially be a fifth-rounder for James Robinson. You're not going to get some big, long soliloquy from me about trading for a running back because we all know, if you've listened to this podcast at all or you know me at all, you know how I feel about the running back position in general and sinking and sinking assets into, well, meaningful assets into the running back position. A sixth-rounder that could be a fifth-rounder just doesn't qualify as meaningful to me, so I do not care enough to go on some rant about it. James Robinson held me down in fantasy for two years before his his unfortunate Achilles tear. So I always have a special place in my heart for James Robinson. I like the guy. I hope he succeeds. He's an undrafted free agent. I think he's a free agent after the year. I hope he I hope he gets a bag from somebody. And I hope the help the Jets can help him facilitate getting that bag from somebody. Okay? So um from a, a football perspective, he's better than Ty Johnson, which I guess is all that really matters here, right? I don't think it I don't think it signifies anything outside of they needed depth and they went and they got it. And obviously they take themselves seriously enough as a playoff contender to go get a running back when they needed one or if needed one or wanted one, however you want to put it. They they take themselves seriously enough. The player himself, after the Achilles tear, hasn't been that good. I mean, he had he's had basically two Two big runs, and there's been a lot of mid in between. Now, the Jaguars' offensive line, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they, I don't know how good or bad they are, or whatever. The scheme, Doug Pearson seems like he knows what he's doing. So, I don't really have much to add as far as his performance before. The, the Achilles tears tend to be a death, a death knell for people in the NFL. So, and, I mean, if you look at his broken tackle metrics, they haven't been good. Obviously, like I just mentioned, two runs have basically propped up his yards per carry. So, hopefully on what sh- what projects to be a better team, and I, I don't know if it's a better offense, but hopefully on a, hopefully on a different team, a better team, and a better scheme, he ha- he finds more success. But, quite frankly, right now the Jets need – Zach Wilson's development to accelerate a little bit because they're not going to be able to just say, hey, Brees, go do shit. And on that note, I'd like to implore you to listen to, listen to the Middle Initial Podcast with myself, Andrew L. Case, and Jude A. Jackson as, as we discuss current sports topics. Um, watch my underdog, uh, watch my fantasy football show on Underdog Fantasy Network on Sundays from 12 to 1 as I rap with Mr. Coley Mick about your start sit-em questions your who to stash questions, any fancy question you got, we will we will address them as they come in. Um, subscribe to the underdog to the underdog YouTube page. It's in my bio on Twitter and on Instagram. And I will see you when I see you. Wild, baby.